Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. So we're continuing this morning with the Proving God series, which we've been running for the last, I think, month and a half, two months. And it's been such a powerful series because I think so much the world around us sort of asks, you know, they want to know, they want proof, they want proof. Who is God? You know, if you believe in God, who is God? You know, prove God to us. And I think many people would like that in the form of like almost an equation. They want something that's very simple, very like, well, this is, this is God. I can prove God this way. But, but the reality is our lives are so much the proof of God. You know, you can look out in the morning and you can see the sunrise and you can see the birds tweet and you can see all of those amazing things. And that speaks of God in itself. But your very lives as Christians, the influence that God has upon your life is proving who God is. You know, God, one of the amazing things is that there is amazing testimony, great testimony in flourishing under reduced circumstances. You know, when you flourish, even though the circumstances around you are tough, are, uh, are difficult, you know, and everybody else is, 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 is sort of in that struggle, in that sort of restriction. But when there is, your life is seen to be flourishing, when your life seems to be against all the odds, against everything, just seems to have just a grace upon it, that speaks so much to the power of God. That speaks so much to the heart of God. That proves God in our very lives every single day. Because the circumstances we may share with everyone else, but we, we live under a covenant with God, a relationship with God that, that blesses us, that promotes us, that takes us to, to higher heights, that are beyond. It's not something we deserve. That's the amazing thing is that God's provision, it's unmerited. Yeah. Like everything we receive from God, it's completely unmerited. We do not deserve it. We don't deserve it. We, we receive it. We receive it from God. I want to tell a story from uh, my youth, sort of my kind of youth. I don't know what you call 17. Is 17 youth? or I don't know. Anyway, it was about 17. And I went hill walking with uh, two, two other people. We were doing, I think it was like our silver medal queen's award thing i don't know i I didn't really want to do any of the community stuff i just wanted to hill walk and so i just went hill walking and we had to go hill walking for about three days and one uh, there was there was a girl who was sort of the leader she was the responsible one there's me i was the young one with this other guy who was and you know probably the most politest way i could put it was an idiot I mean, just simply an idiot. Uh, had zero common sense at all. And Laura, my wife, often says, I'm devoid of common sense. But this guy was like another level, you know. And we, on about the second day, about halfway through the second day, we, were, we had to cross this river. And it was a river that you could cross, but it was, like, difficult to cross it. You, you weren't going to drown or anything like that, but you had to make sure that you didn't fall in. And, and it was quite fast moving, even though it wasn't particularly deep. And so we took off our shoes and rolled up our trouser legs and sort of made our way across. There was rocks you could jump across. And we were kind of all just focusing on ourselves. We had big bags on our back because we were sort of staying out in the, uh, the wilderness. And, uh, <laughs> and we crossed over, and me and this girl made it over. And it was quite wide, and we, we looked round when we got to the other side. And there was this guy sitting in the middle of the river, just sitting there, kind of laughing to himself. Like, oh. He's like, oh, I've fallen in. And we're like, okay, that's, we've still got to walk for like a day and a half. You know, might want to get up. He goes, oh, I can't. I've lost my shoes. 
we're like, sorry, what did you say? So, oh, yeah, they, they floated away. We're like, how long ago? Oh, a few minutes ago. He's just laughing away. He didn't have any other shoes. We were in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, oh, yeah, I don't have any shoes. I went running down the river, couldn't find them anywhere. And he was completely oblivious to the fact that this was actually quite a serious situation, <laughs> that we were miles and miles from anywhere at all. And he didn't have any shoes anymore. <laughs> And so we were like, well, we're going to have to go and find someone. He didn't even make it across the river. So he, we said, let's wait there. We'll go and find someone who can help us. And we walked for a few miles and came back. And we found, came across the... We were on, like, a, an estate. Uh, and they were gamekeepers. They had one of these, like, uh, Land Rovers. And we sort of said to them, yeah, we're really sorry. Our friend uh, dropped his shoes in the river. And the guy was like, why did he take your shoes off? And we were like, yeah, what an idiot. Even though, <laughs> even though we, took, we didn't drop our shoes. Anyway, so he came, they, they came back begrudgingly. They came back. They picked the guy up, uh, drove us back to the, I don't know what you call it, like the estate. It was, it was basically where they would have all the guests who would come on hunting parties. And by this point, it was the evening, and it was just freezing cold. Freezing cold, and it was wet, and... So we get there, and the girl has to go inside because she's the responsible one, and she needs to go and sort out parents and things like that to kind of rescue us. He went inside because he didn't have any shoes, and I stood outside because I had shoes and because I wasn't allowed to come inside, and I was freezing cold, so cold. I remember feeling my feet were just like ice blocks. About half an hour later, they both came out, and uh, he... <laughs> He had come in, this guy had come in, walked into the dining room and sat down and they'd started giving him like sort of just the fat of the land, giving him venison and, 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 and rabbit stew and he'd just been eating away, came up, I am stuffed, so we're going to fire in there and everything. I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> because I was starving, I was freezing and yet he was inside and it wasn't even as if he deserved it. <laughs> The thing was, none of us deserved it, and none of us had anything, and yet there was like this sort of, it was like a bit of a, it was, it was a rough time, it, was a, it was, felt like a famine, and yet he feasted, he feasted in the famine, he feasted in the famine, even though he didn't deserve it, even though none of us deserved it, he feasted, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today, I want to talk about feasting in the famine, feasting in the famine, none of us deserve anything, deserve it, we don't, God isn't obliged to do anything for us, but because of his love, he does so very much for us. So I want to start off my, uh, my message with a, with a verse from the Bible, and it is Luke 15, six, uh, 11 to 16, and it is one of the parables that Jesus told. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pig looked good to him. No one gave him anything. That is a story about a person who went into famine. 
that is a parable about, about, about a young man or, or a, a parable that, that reflects many of our lives. I, I know that when I was 17, I left home. I left home to go to university when I was 17. I, I, I grew up in Dundee and I moved to Glasgow and at 17. And for the first three years, I was at university for five years, but for the first three years, I felt, I, I would probably say I was much like that younger son. I went away and I just lived kind of a backslidden life. I grew up in church. I never stopped believing in God whatsoever. I always knew he was there. Uh, I always trusted him, but, but I just wanted to sort of live my own life and live this sort of, this sort of backslidden life where, where I wasn't under any restraint or any sort of vig, uh, vigilance from my, from my mother. <laughs> but uh, the thing was, this, even though I lived quite a backslidden life, I still enjoyed so many of the blessings of being, being redeemed. It was, it was an amazing thing. I, it was nothing that I deserved whatsoever. I, I, I lived, sort of, did made all sorts of stupid decisions. But I just felt that so many times God was there to, to rescue me from just failure and destruction. You know, there were so many times that I felt his hand upon my life that I had no right to receive, no right to, to have whatsoever. And yet, yet I felt it time and time again. But despite that, after three years... You know, I just, even though God's grace had been upon my life, and even though God had never strayed from being faithful in my life, after three years, I just felt this, this just despair. Just this despair in my life. I, I, I would liken it probably to how that guy, that young man felt when he was sitting in that field, looking at the pigs enviously as they eat those pods. It was like, I just was like, what is left? What have I done? Where, where did my life go? And I remember having this sense, a very strong sense that, Everything wholesome in my life had just been drawn out. Not that it had suddenly gone, but it just it had drawn out of me. And, and everything just within my life just resembled drought. I had this drought upon my life. And even though I never stopped believing in God, and even though God never stopped being faithful, it was like this huge void had opened up in my life. Just this void. And there was just nothing there. And it was everything... Everything in my life had been sort of consumed. All the resources had been taken. I, I was just had nothing left to eat. I just felt like I was starving. I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that, but just had this sense. There was this void. I knew God was there, but I knew I was all the way over here. And it didn't make any sense. And I, well, it made all the sense in the world. And I just had this dryness, dryness upon my life, this, this famine upon my life, this drought upon my life. I want to ask the question today, why is it that we run dry? Why is it, as people, do we find that we run dry? Do we come into seasons of our lives and just feel totally dry, feel like a drought, feel like we're just starving for something? Maybe we don't even know what. I, I, I think of dryness in this respect as, as being like when you stretch your resources too far. I don't know if you do anything like this, but say you uh, get to the end of the week and your, your milk you get up for your, eat your shreddies in the morning and your milk is just, oh, there's not quite enough there. So you kind of, you take the, the blue milk, you add a bit of water and make it green milk. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but you, then you, on Friday, you don't go and buy any milk either. So on Saturday, you add a little bit more water and then you turn your green milk into red milk. <laughs> and before long, that milk ceases to be milk any longer because you have, you have compromised all of the fat and all of the sustenance and it's just water now, it's no longer milk that, to me that's a bit like that's the dryness, your resources have just been stretched too far we want, so often we want what we have 
to just keep on going. We just want we have to keep on going. It says in Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21, Jesus says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths can eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. This verse so much talks about don't take the, the, the natural things around you and just hold them so close, like prize them as these sort of possessions. We, because when we do that, we kind of take value from those things. Like if you have an amazing car and you stand next to that amazing car, I presume it's because I've never had an amazing car, but I've seen amazing cars, <laughs> and I can imagine what it would feel like to own it. And you'd be like, you, you'd feel like there was something extra about you. I imagine that's why people buy amazing cars. Is because One, because I'm sure they're very amazing and reliable. But really, it's because you feel like a superstar. You feel like it projects you, it promotes you in some way. But, but those things, the Bible says, are, are liable to rust, to be stolen, to be destroyed. That there's nothing consistent in them whatsoever. That, that there's only something temporary. And even with an amazing car, it's only new for a little while. You can't live your life just going from new car to new car. Or at least you can if you're very rich. (laughs) You might not stay very rich. Uh, we, We often look to just resource ourselves from finite sources. I think that's why we run dry, is because we, we are looking at uh, the, fine, uh, the sources around us, the resources around us. Those resources around us are often so finite. They only have a limited shelf life. Uh, I have a, a tendency in my life to try and find new ways to secure my future. Now, you might think to yourself, well, that's a totally reasonable thing to do. You should always think about the future. And that is true in a sense, but, but really... My deep lying weakness in myself, the, the, the reality is that I am trying to find these secure ways because there is a part in my human nature that is afraid of ever having to like totally rely on God. If I'm totally honest, there is like this little bit of fear, a little bit of human nature that is like, I just need to sort of insure myself against disappointment. Uh, just this, this, this part with myself to create like a fail-safe. That, that I, 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 if I ever had to totally rely on God, then I would have to rely on God and I would cease to be able to rely upon myself. And the problem is that that, that is self-defeating attitude in itself. Because you, you deny yourself the opportunity for faith. You completely deny it because you try and, you're trying to sort of ensure against that which hasn't happened. You're trying to ensure yourself against relying upon God who is the most reliable, the most dependable. I, I do this because I, I, I guess it's just, it's, it's, it's a human nature. It's a weakness within yourselves. In fact, the very reason I took up engineering in the first place I was thinking about this came from just that sort of that, 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 that weakness or, or that mentality of that famine mentality. I remember speaking to my dad about you know, what, what I should do at university and he said to me, and I remember this now as much as I do, I don't know, 15 years ago, he said, he said, they will always need engineers. The world will always need engineers. And I thought to myself, even as like a 17-year-old, I thought, well, if they always need engineers, then I'll always have a job. I'll always have a job if they always need engineers. Not... I'll always have a job or I'll always have security as long as I'm with God. 
That was, that was, that's a place of faith, that's a place of abundance, but I came at it from a place of lack. And the irony being that this very day, this very season, we're in a time where they don't need engineers all of the time, that there are engineers who are not in jobs at the moment. And, and how ironic that that, that that very reason that I got into, and it, fortunately I enjoyed engineering, it worked out quite well, but, but, but the, one of the very first things that switched me onto it was like a lack mentality. Something that was like, I've got to secure myself. I have to ensure myself in case the worst happens. Not relying fully and totally and completely upon God. It's a mentality that settles for less. It's a mentality that, 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 that takes those crumbs that you have and it holds them so tight rather than allowing your hands to be open to receive something that God might put into it. Holding so tight to the crumbs. Don't let the crumbs go. God might have something even greater for you. I'm, I met a friend, uh, a, a friend that I had grown up with. I think we were sort of around about in our early 20s when we'd met uh, for the first time. And uh, we were sort of young and, and, and we were in church and we were both sort of discovering God, you know, as we'd kind of come back into church at the end of the backslidden time. And uh, it was an amazing time. He was a great friend. We had so much fun together. And he was also an engineer, so we had all sorts of engineering chats. No, not really. <laughs> and uh, we, we lost, when I moved to Aberdeen, he, he stayed in Dundee and then moved to Glasgow. And so we lost touch. And then I just bumped into him in a, a soft play area. Uh, he had some kids. I have many kids. And uh, we bumped into each other in like a soft play area. And the funny thing was this, that we were sort of chatting. And he said, he said, oh, yeah, this this place is pretty great, isn't it? And I thought to myself, you know what? When we were 21, you would never have said that. And I would never have said that. We would never have been standing in a soft play area and gone, this place is pretty good. Tell you what, if we did say that, it would have been a problem. <laughs> but it was, I just thought, you know what? Isn't it funny how like when your circumstances change, your expectations change. Now that's a totally reasonable expectation to have. It's like, the reason it's really good is because your kids are occupied and you can just have a rest. But, uh, but sometimes your circumstances change and your expectations change or your, your, uh, your circumstances worsen and your expectations lower. You know, we can be so guilty for settling for the morsels and trying to convince ourselves it is enough. This is enough. I can get by. I can get by on this. God has not called us to get by on anything. God's provision, God, the purpose of God's provision is that it sticks out from the norm. It isn't normal. It sticks out from the norm because when, we, when his provision is shown in that way, it brings glory to his name. It brings glory to God's name when, when, when people see the provingness of God, where God shows his greatness and his abundance and his grace and provision upon our lives and it sticks out from the norm there is no glory in famine I want to read a passage from Genesis and this is a I'm going to go through certain verses I'll tell you what verses they are but I'm, I'm kind of trying to paraphrase it a little bit because it's uh, quite long so I'm going to reduce it down a little bit just to the, the main components. But it basically had started with Pharaoh. Uh, this is the story of Joseph. And, and this is at the sort of or near the end of the story of Joseph as the point to his uh, promotion. And uh, Pharaoh has uh, had these two dreams uh, one night. And these dreams really unsettled him. One was of a, like a fat uh, cow and a, and a thin cow and uh, a full head of corn and a thin head of corn. And it just really unsettled him and he wasn't sure what to make of it. So I'll uh, start in Genesis 41 verse 8. 
And it says, The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams. So he called for all the magicians and wise men in Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. And then I'll move on to verse 15. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Then I'll move on to Genesis uh, 41, verse 25. Joseph responded, Both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin, scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have described it, for God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt, but afterwards there will be, a seven, year, there will be seven years of famine so great that all of the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. And then the final part that I want to read from is uh, verse 53. It says, At last, the seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end. Then the seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph had predicted, the famine also struck all the surrounding countries. But throughout Egypt, there was plenty of food. Eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph, do whatever he tells you. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. What I wanted to present, what, what I, the idea that I want to get over more than absolutely anything else today is that the word of God keeps us going when everything else runs dry. Right there, that was the word of God. Joseph said it himself. He didn't understand what that dream meant, but God understood it. And those words that he then said were God's word. And he proclaimed something. And what they did was they were able to set in place uh, provision for the future. That Not only were they able to survive the famine, but they were able to supply the needs of not just themselves, but their surrounding countries. They were able to flourish in the famine. Everything... The everything else, the everything else in our lives is prone to famine because there is inconsistency in everything else. Everything else will always have dry periods. I used to work for an engineering consultancy and we were totally reliant upon the fact that we would win work from bigger companies. And when times were good in the oil and gas business, then we had lots of work. And as soon as they weren't, we had none because we were 100% totally reliant on the circumstances of the oil and gas industry. And so therefore, we didn't have anything when nobody else had anything. We, we, were, we lived in the inconsistencies around us. Often, our, we view our provision as coming from the natural world. But if you see it like that, then your security is only as certain as the shifting powers yeah. that govern it. Those powers shift all of the time. Different governments come and go. Different needs, different crises come and go. And, and therefore, what are you able to rely upon if everything is always changing? 
We need to look beyond uh, our bosses, our, our relationships, and look, before, look towards God. Because God is our provider. God is our provider. When we recognize that, it puts such a peace on the inside. See, even as circumstances shift and change, our confidence in God can remain steadfast because he doesn't shift and change. Because he is constant. The circumstances of Egypt changed drastically. But Joseph, Joseph never worried and he never starved. And the funny thing is this, that even in the face of that tumultuous season, God actually promoted Joseph. See, certain crops can only grow in certain climates. Certain crops can only grow in certain climates. And sometimes it's necessary for God to alter the atmospheric conditions to grow out an aspect of our lives. He wants to grow out certain things of our lives. And, and sometimes it's essential that he moves us from a place of comfort into a place of uncomfort. Yeah. See, Egypt was powerful during those bumper years. But how much more powerful was it when it could supply the needs of everyone else around them? In the face of famine, they flourished. Why? Because the word of God was upon them. It was upon that land. And it can be upon your life as well. God doesn't bring famine. Don't misunderstand me. God does not bring famine. But if we look to God... If our focus, if our source of provision is always upon God, then there is never famine. The, the, the resources of our lives, the source of uh, provision may change. Those things might alter as he develops and as he grows out aspects of our lives. But God never brings famine. He just brings growth. He grows us always. If every, uh, whenever we look to him, he is looking to bring abundance and transformation into our lives. See, God is always looking to take us into a stronger position. That's the amazing thing about God. He doesn't, he doesn't want us just to sit still. Yeah. He's always looking to move us into another place. It says in Psalms 84, and this is 5 and 7. I've kind of merged them together. It says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. They go from strength to strength. See, pilgrimage is requires us to go through sort of seasons of refinement where God basically removes those crutches on our lives. There's so many crutches, so many things that we depend upon that are fleeting, that are inconsistent. But God wants to strip those things back and replace the dysfunctional aspects of our human nature with his righteousness and his holiness. It says in John 15 verse 2, it says he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more so we may feast regardless of the season that is the amazing thing of God it doesn't matter what the circumstances are we feast we feast through God it says in Philippians 4 verse 12 to 13 it says I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything I have learned the secret of living in every situation whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with little or plenty. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You know, you get those... You know, you get those trees that are green all year round, evergreens. That's what God has. God doesn't want us to have these seasons where we're, we're full of life and then just look like death. He wants us to be evergreen. It doesn't matter if it's in the middle of winter evergreen evergreen in your life 
evergreen power in your life that you withstand the seasons because the seasons don't affect you. Famine or abundance, drought or plenty, these are the circumstances your life passes through. But they are only a season. The feast. The feast is what God supplies. And unlike the seasons, he never changes. Whether you are happy or whether you are sad, God yields joy. Whether you are composed or whether you are strained, God yields peace. Whether you are promoted or whether you are impeded, God yields hope. God yields what the season cannot. When we rely on God, we put our life in his hands, then whatever is surrounding us, whatever the report of the days, whatever the news is that day, God stands above it. He stands out with it. And when we put our lives just in his hands, when we put that focus, when we put our reliance upon him as his source, as our source of our provision, then we never go hungry and we never live in famine. We might be surrounded by famine. The circumstances might not be ideal. But God always has a favorable report, a favorable report for your life. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.